0: Most of these for the SaaS EL solutions only get up into the maybe 100, maybe 150 different sources and destinations they can support. So the library that Meltano supports is already by far the largest out there in the ecosystem. But we had far broader aspirations than just bringing DevOps to EL. We wanted to bring DevOps to the entire data lifecycle. So we knew that our vision wouldn't be complete until we found a way to also fit in everything else that a data team does and everything else that data people would want to collaborate on and get all of these best practices um, benefits. My name is Dawa Mann and I'm the founder and CEO of Meltano.
1: This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back i'm your host noah Labhart, and today how doway man built all the tools you will ever need to manage all the data tools in your stack all this and more on code story doway man started programming when he was nine years old and grew up with his dad pushing linux on him over windows He was raised in the Netherlands, outside of Amsterdam. How he recharges outside of technology is traveling to new places. Prior to his current venture, he joined as employee number 10 to GitLab. The company is the largest all remote company which allowed for him to be a digital nomad, which roundabout led him to meet his wife, get married and live in Mexico City. Since 2018, there was a team inside of GitLab working on a project to bring the same principles and methodologies from software development into designing and maintaining data architecture through some changes in gitlab he was tasked to lead the team of reviving the project which eventually led to it becoming its own thing this is the creation story of meltano
0: So Meltano, in in terms of tagline, it is the open source data ops operating system. And what it does in in sort of high level terms is bridging the worlds of DevOps and the data lifecycle and the modern data stack to bring all of the advantages of software development best practices that allow software development teams to work together effectively and iterate rapidly and have really high confidence in the output of their work, bring all of that stuff to the work that data teams are doing as they are pulling data from various sources, uh, transforming it, preparing it for analysis, and then running their dashboards or data science, ML, AI workloads against it, which is currently something that for many teams takes place across a number of different applications that all do one thing really well, but you have to log into one interface to set up the data you know, extraction another interface to manage the transformation, and there's a whole different tool where you set up your dashboard. Uh, and we think that that entire flow can be made all the more effective and efficient and data teams all the more successful because of it by adopting some of those software development best practices like version control and code review um, and automatic end-to-end testing so that people that build data platforms and that build this, this critical asset to the organization's success can do so in a way that is doesn't get in their way when they're trying to rapidly iterate and try stuff out. Essentially, we allow teams to iterate quickly on their data platform without any fear of accidentally breaking a dashboard in production by allowing them to adopt some of this software development best practices uh, and treat the data platform like any other software project. If you go to the Miltana website today you'll find that the product is open source and free and it is the best possible way to either design a modern data stack if you're starting from scratch but also to make your existing modern data stack more manageable and to make it less fragile by bringing in this new layer that can essentially be a control plane for the entire data platform How this ties back to GitLab is that GitLab is a company that builds the leading open source DevOps platform. So it's a software product that software development teams use in order to develop software. So that sounds very meta and that's because it is. Uh, It's very much a product built by its users, for its users, software developers coming together uh, to build the tool they want to use to build better software. The data team at GitLab back in 2018 realized that a lot of these qualities that we have come to take for granted around CI-CD and version control and code review could similarly benefit data teams in the way they're doing building their data platform and and evolving it every day, but the data tools that they found in 2018 very much weren't built with those things in mind. GitLab realized the massive opportunity to build the data tooling, built along the lines of software developer tooling, allowing you to manage your pipelines in the repository and have end-to-end testing so that you are warned of any typos before this is live in production and it's about to blow up in your CFO's face when he's about to present to the board. Since 2018, there was a team inside GitLab working on this project. By the time it had grown to about 1400 in 2019, I was really starting to feel that itch to go back to the early startup days where you can really see the impact of every hour and every customer user interaction, every issue you file for a cool new feature. The distance between the work you do every day and the real impact in people's lives is much shorter and I was very much craving that again. So I got this opportunity to join the internal Meltano project at GitLab, originally as its engineering lead By 2020, because of some organizational changes on the project, I was left by myself as general manager, um, essentially with a goal of turning the Meltano project around over the course of 2020 and and really finding that audience and that traction and that community that we knew was out there for this DevOps flavored data tooling that we um, had envisioned. I managed to uh, find out what the users really wanted to make this something that they could actually adopt quickly and start getting value out of right away. So by making it focus narrower over the course of 2020, we were able to build our stack community into the several hundreds, which led to us spinning out of GitLab officially about a year ago with a seed investment from GV, formerly known as Google Ventures. Uh, and that's how I became a the founder and CEO of Meltano And over the last year, we've been working with a team that now counts 14 people and a Slack community that is uh, just about to hit 2,300 people across the data industry. And we've come together to realize this vision we have for a data ops operating system that can form the foundation of every team's ideal data stack.
1: Tell me about the MVP for Meltano and and how long it took to build and what sort of tools were used to bring it to life. And maybe that's in GitLab or maybe that's in after, but you decide where you want to take it. But tell me about that MVP.
0: A couple of things are a little different here because the project had already been around for a year and a half before I even joined. In retrospect, and this is also one of the things that led to me taking over the project in 2020, having to sort of turn it around, is that we started off biting off more than we could chew. And some of this was in, inherent to the broad vision and, and lofty goal we had set for ourselves, because. The data life cycle, taking data out of various systems, uh, transforming it, performing some kind of analysis on it or further processing is a life cycle where for every step of the way, there are a number of really great competing solutions. Uh, We want teams to be able to approach it like a software development project. So we should just rebuild an entire data platform end-to-end data platform that does everything from integration to analytics in one place. But what we realized pretty quickly is that Everyone understood the need for sort of the future we were sketching. But getting there by saying like, well, this is the repo. um, You can clone it and and try it out locally. It kind of expects you to throw away any data stack you have today and start using this instead of everything else. That was the initial product, but it already doesn't sound very minimal or, or really even viable because there would be a lot of ground to cover before this is really something that organizations could start depending on for all of their data needs. So the MVP was a little bit based on our own conviction that this thing needs to exist. Let's just start building it. And then the user and contributors will follow. And we found out over the course of 2018, 2019, that it, it wasn't that simple. We needed to start with something a little bit smaller in focus, something that could be adopted into an existing data stack that would still give people the taste of what data tools could be like if they are built similar to software development tools, but make it so that they can start simple and then crave more and be motivated to actually slowly start swapping out more and more of their data platform for this Meltano-managed approach, instead of requiring it to be kind of an all-or-nothing adoption story. By talking through some of the people in the community, what I realized is that the most valuable thing we had built in Meltano at the time was on the side of ELT, Extract, Load, Transform. It was this wrapper around an open-source technology called Singer and another open-source technology called DBT. And we had in Meltano adopted this technology to fulfill the role of data integration within the end-to-end data platform. But it turned out that what people really wanted in the short term was only those bits that make those Singer connectors actually work really well together and and, and in combination with DBT, which is this transformation tool. In some sense, the minimum viable product, which turned out to only be about 25% or 30% of the entire code base we had written, was in that glue code around Singer that showed people that you can take some existing open source technologies from the data space, make them better than the sum of their parts by allowing them to live together in a repository, have users use a CLI to manage the configuration and scheduling the pipelines. Uh, In other words, an ELT tool built as a software developer would expect it to work.
1: You mentioned this, you know, the, the decision and you know, so to speak, maybe trade-off of having to cut part of the product or not focus on part of the product, and really key in on that the singer part. Tell me about how you worked through that decision and really how you coped with that decision, because you know, there's probably a lot of explanation to a team of why you know you need to go forward with just that part of the product. So tell me about that and how you went with the how you coped with that decision.
0: Well, one part of what you're describing as the challenge, like how to get your team on board, had been made irrelevant because the team size got cut down from 6 to 1, leaving just me. So there was really no one to uh, convince. Really, you know, we had reached this point where it was clear that the year and a half or so that had been put into Montana up to that point wasn't really yielding the type of attraction um, and, and usage and contributions that we needed. So it was clear to everyone involved that it was time for a change, which also made it sort of easy for me to not hold on to anything that already was and really feel like all routes were open to me because clearly the current path isn't getting us where we need to get. So let's just try something and see if it works and it helped if the few people that we had attracted to the community had actually found us for that singer side of the story. So we didn't even have to convince our users because the users were effectively already there for this new vision. And it was really a matter just of me going into the website and changing the positioning to uh, put more emphasis on the EL, extract and load side of the story and the Singer integration away from the end-to-end aspect and uh, this this little BI solution, business intelligence tool that we had built into the product without even touching the product itself. It was just a matter of changing the framing on the website. And honestly, that's also the kind of thing that made it just a really easy change to try. And and in a different world, we would have A-B tested this. As it happened, we were right on the money, and that's exactly what people needed. And um, after that change was made, all of our numbers started going very nicely up and to the right throughout all of 2020. And then in early 2021, like I mentioned earlier, we'd reached a point where GitLab had enough confidence in the project for me to bring some more people onto the project. So we brought on GitLab's uh, data lead, Taylor Murphy, as our head of product and data, um, and one of the most kind of prolific community contributors, AJ Steers, as head of engineering. And then we spun out and You know, we were able to kind of keep running with it.
1: Okay. So from that point, you've progressed the product, you've, you know, trimmed it down, you got your MVP, people are getting what they needed and you're going up and to the right. How did you progress the product from there and how have you matured it? And I think I'm curious how you go about building your roadmap and deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build.
0: In in 2020, we narrowed the focus to only this EL part of the equation. And we saw that there was a really big demand in the market for an EL tool with a large open source library of connectors that would make it really easy for people to add support for new sources and destinations. And more generally for an EL tool that would treat its users like developers and that would allow them to version control their pipelines. And this is also the the thesis and the the vision that we raised our series seed on because we realized that the Singer ecosystem needed a lot more love than it had perceived up to that point. And while we were doing sort of a nice first step in providing a better tool to run these Singer-powered connectors, there was also demand for, on the one hand, better tooling for building Singer connectors and for discovering Singer connectors. What we built in terms of roadmap at the time, just trying to figure out, okay, how do we make Singer and Meltano a really compelling solution for all of those teams that are looking for an EL solution built along these software development uh, tooling lines, is, okay, you know, just building this EL tool in Meltano is not enough. We have to invest in the ecosystem. So we built the Meltano SDK for Singer taps and targets, which makes it easier than ever to build new connectors. And many of the existing connectors that existed before we came around have also been ported over to it. And then we build Meltano Hub for Singer, which is the kind of single source of truth, single centralized catalog of all of the connectors, all 300 plus of them, in the Singer. Most of these sort the of SaaS EL solutions only get up into the maybe 100, maybe 150 different sources and destinations they can support. So the library that Meltano supports is already by far the largest out there in the ecosystem. But we had far broader aspirations than just bringing DevOps to EL. We wanted to bring DevOps to the entire data lifecycle. So we knew that our vision wouldn't be complete until we found a way to also fit in everything else that a data team does and everything else that data people would want to collaborate on and and get all of these DevOps best practices benefits. So the product roadmap, by the time that we had spun out of GitLab and sort of proved to the world that there was a ton of value here and that we could actually pull it off, we broadened our vision and started including more aspects of the data lifecycle. To start with really strong support for transformation, which is the step that typically follows EL, where our support for the DBT transformation tool is is increasing. Finally, also adding support for BI on top of Meltano. Um there's a number of open source BI solutions, like Superset, Metabase, and, and more recently Lightdash, that are also starting to embrace this version controllable way of thinking about your dashboards and, and allowing them to be taken through code review instead of all of these changes just happening in a UI where you know one button click on the save button automatically takes it into production. We realized that what we had built with Meltano for EL wasn't so much a tool that is an EL tool and and happens to use Singer to do it but rather we are a fundamental layer that brings together different open source technologies, um, abstracts away a lot of the differences in how they want to be installed, how they want to be configured, how they need to be deployed and integrated together uh, and allows teams to just start treating their data platform as one with all of these components being brought in one by one to perform particular capabilities of the data platform. We started building support for some of these best in class open source solutions that fit really well with this uh, DevOps approach to where we think the data platforms are going. So that means that the roadmap made itself pretty clear because we needed to expand support for different types of data tools and then also support for uh, different alternatives on each of these categories. And that's what we've been working on for the last months after we had spent the first half of the year really building the tools that the Singer ecosystem needed to thrive. Because our story and our vision relies or and very much hinges on the existence of really great open source technologies for every step of the data lifecycle. Whenever these tools already exist, we you know adopt them and we embrace them and we make them easier to use for Multano. And if these tools don't exist yet, uh, we might step in and make it so. And if they sort of exist, but they have been a little bit neglected and maybe the community isn't thriving to the extended could, then we are happy to step in and provide that additional support and build those missing bits of tooling in the ecosystem to make sure that all of the components that belong in a modern devops flavored data platform really exist.
1: So let's switch to team. And this will be super interesting, right? Because you mentioned you know, having the, the team be cut down to just you. And so you essentially had to build it back up. So how did you go about that? And what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you?
0: In a couple of ways, we were very spoiled. You know, one of them is the fact that we had an open source community where the most enthusiastic, most insightful people kind of, you know, step up by themselves because they are actually motivated by the mission and they are so motivated that they will spend time on it without even being paid for it. So sort of automatically the first person I was like, okay, we've got to bring this person in was AJ Steers, our our now head of engineering who had been um, a data ops engineer at Slalom, one of these consulting firms before. He came across Meltano in his journeys of building a great internal data platform at Slalom. He started contributing to Meltano and he suggested pretty quickly, pretty early on in 2020, like, hey, Dawa, should we just plan like a monthly meeting and kind of catch up on what we see happening in the open source uh, sort of data up space? And those monthly meetings pretty quickly turned into him already feeling like a team member more so than just someone in the community. And to be clear, no one in the community feels like just a community member. We very much think of the community as an extension of our team. And we think of us as building Meltano in collaboration with all of its users. Uh, but AJ very clearly, very quickly stood out. So when I needed to bring engineers on board, he already had a track record of contributions. He had been really um, instrumental in coming up with this Meltano SDK, uh, software development kits, kind of um, you know vision that, that would help the Singer ecosystem thrive. And it was just a no-brainer to get him to work on that uh, full-time, also because he had built similar stuff for years at Slalom, at companies where he was working through Slalom, like Starbucks, and also at Amazon, uh, where he would worked previously. And then the second person I brought on when I was given the opportunity to do so again by by GitLab uh, allowing me some headcounts was essentially the very first kind of persona, user, design partner that Meltano had ever had. Um, Taylor Murphy, the lead and first data engineer of GitLab's data team who had been sort of a um, touch point within the GitLab organization from the day the Meltano team was founded because he was very much the person who would need to love Meltano and use Meltano and, and kind of make it um, into his image trying to abstract away some of the manual work data leads do and build better tooling to take over some of that burden. So bringing him on as our head of product uh, was a no-brainer as well, in large part because he had done a lot of this work and he'd been involved with the Meltano project even longer than I had. But also because Taylor, who some of the listeners today might know better as Data Bay, uh, is a little bit of a data Thought leader in uh, on Twitter. Um, tons, he has tons of followers. He's done a lot of writing and, and talking about the way he sees the data space developing um, and getting him on board with the project, both because of his own knowledge, but also his, his connections in the space. And just in some sense, the credibility that his attachment gave to our project, um, again, was a total no brainer. So that's how the team went from one person to three just before we spun out of GitLab. And then from that point on, um, we were once again lucky enough to have a lot of people in the community who had already proven themselves through their contributions, had shown that they really cared about this, uh, and were able to speak both the data engineering language and the software engineering language and, and work with us to figure out what emerging of those worlds would look like. Uh, so that's where we got our first few engineers. And then I was also lucky enough to be able to um, reach out to a couple of people that I had worked with at GitLab since the early beginning. Um, and uh, just an example is Emily Kyle, who was GitLab's very first managing, uh, rather, marketing hire, um, who I was able to convince to join me on this Meltana project as our director of marketing, uh, and she has been absolutely stellar, and um, I had known that through the years that we had worked together, the, the impact that she had on GitLab from the early days, and also um, the everything I would get out of that. Not in the least the fact that she and I had worked together for a long time, so I also knew that she would be maybe more inclined than others to calm me out on my shit whenever that needed happening. Uh, it's good to have people on the team that you also know are not going to like hold back or be deferential to the CEO, but are also going to, um, yeah, call me out when I needed it. That's been really great to have uh, on board. Um, and then finally, you know, like I said, we had two trump cards, the GitLab Association and then the, the community. Um, the Maltano team today has GitLab's first engineering manager, that's myself, as well as its first data person, Taylor, marketing person, Emily, uh, community person, Amanda Folson, first sales, technical salesperson, uh, Rep Baum. So, Through my early GitLab kind of connections, uh, we were able to get some of this all-star team together and and work on bringing DevOps to yet another industry that we think would benefit tremendously from having these uh, best practices applied to their day-to-day work.
1: So you took over this solution. So my next question will be interesting. It'll be either, you know, it, it could be a combination, but I'm just gonna ask it generically. Was this built to scale efficiently from day one Or are you fighting this as you grow, as you've gone in and changed the product, changed the the company? uh, And and are you fighting this as you grow?
0: From GitLab's perspective, Meltano was set up as an internally incubated startup rather than just another product line. It's because of that realization that um, a lot of that overhead and, and scale sort of scale-informed process definition um, serves a larger later-stage company but actively hurts a startup. So uh, GitLab realized that in order for Multano to really be as uh, successful as it could be, it should start out as an internal startup where everything is different and it's very much separated from the rest of the GitLab organization. So from day one, we were supposed to be thrifty and do things that don't scale and just try stuff out and also be able to change course quickly. Um, as you know, I described the the opportunity I had to change the positioning on the website just in a matter of hours and then realized that that was exactly what the community needed to start, um, you know, drawing a shorter line in their head between what Montana was and what it could do for their team. Um, and then as we've grown and as our vision has changed a little bit and as we had to get out of GitLab and and not be able to rely anymore on some of the parts of GitLab's uh, organization that we had been able to use up to that point, like, you know, HR and, and, and hiring and all of this stuff. Um, We, of course, realized that there were things that we had done that just needed changing. Some of them as a result of the vision that had changed over time, the emphasis that we have now on supporting existing open source technologies and data tools, when in the beginning we were more inclined to just build our own stuff if we think it didn't exist yet. That, of course, had big impact on the architecture of the product and there's a lot of technical debt that we've had to kind of get rid of over the last few months in order to set us up for this next stage. But then within the organization that we sat down to one person essentially allowed us to build stuff out uh, aware of the fact that this was it like it had taken get a uh, Montano a year and a half or so to go from one person to then six and then back to one but by the time it was back to one and myself and then we raised funding we knew okay from this point on it's only going to be scaling upwards and upwards and we're onto something and we're confident um that that this is going to be the vision we'll be working on for years so we were able to from that one person place um be a little bit more aware of the fact that we didn't just want to do things that would be outdated three to six months from now because we knew we would still be around three to six months but there's always a danger in thinking too far ahead and and thereby um, not doing the work that needs doing right now to even justify that future and of course finding a balance between that has been a challenge in its own right also because of the fact that I and some of these other people that I um, asked to join me at Meltano had gotten used to the you know, 1,000 plus person company in GitLab or in, you know, Amazon or other places we found people. And it did require um, a little bit of sort of figuring out for ourselves how scrappy and quick moving and and willing to try stuff and fail and just uh, get up again and try something new. which we had sort of unlearned a little bit through the scaling of the respective organizations we came from. But one of the core values that GitLab has had since the beginning uh, was called iteration, uh, which we in, in our Montana values call progress over perfection, which is very much about this idea of making small changes, getting feedback, um, and not being afraid to go back on them or change your mind or rapidly iterate when it turns out that the first thing you launched it wasn't quite it yet. but Doing so with small steps um, and and very low barrier of, of low amount of shame about the maybe half-bakedness of the first thing you put out um, is something that was so deep in GitLab's DNA and, and in our own that... Um, That has always come pretty naturally to us and that's definitely a strength now as well as we try to find a balance between changing what we're up to quickly and and kind of adjusting based on the needs of the market and and the feedback we're getting from our community um, at the same time as making sure that the steps that we do take are ones that we're confident in and also ones that we think will serve us for not just the next month but also at least the next let's say two quarters.
1: Well, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of?
0: Not just the product we've been able to build together, but also the community that we have built around it. And the literally thousands of people we have gotten to buy into this vision, recognize that this need exists, uh, be willing to get on board of this ship of ours even before a lot of what we are talking about and, and what i'm talking about in this podcast before a lot of it has even been realized uh, just because they recognize that there's a real need here and a real opportunity to do things differently and do things better and motivate them enough to make it happen with us so we have almost 2300 people in slack right now um, we had you know 600 different contributions last year uh, we have hundreds of active members in Slack every week. We have office hours every week where people join to ask us questions or help us figure out some of the features that we have on the roadmap. Because like I mentioned, we're building Meltano in collaboration with its users. Uh, I strongly believe that the best tools are built in close collaboration with those who end up using those tools. So if you have users who are technical enough to actually program and, and potentially contribute back, you're doing yourself a massive disadvantage if you're not uh, minimizing the distance between your team and this user base as much as you can and it doesn't get more closely collaborative than actually allowing them into your issue tracker allowing them to see your roadmap for months and months ahead of time and actually have a strong voice in working out some of the specifications of this work to be done and also the general direction that the product is going into to the extent where they can actually come up with features of their own and just contribute them even if they didn't find a place on our roadmap yet so the fact that uh, we're not doing this by ourselves we're not just a 14 person team who is um, you know convinced that the world needs this and and building it before showing to the world um we have gotten people to buy into what we're doing and make it happen with us and we see ourselves as an extension of the community and the community is an extension of our own team um more than more than anything else. And uh, we, we really believe that that's how the best tools are built and how all developer tooling. And, and I'm going to, uh, to, to fit data tooling in that category now as well. Um, the way all successful developer tooling will be built going forward. And we're already seeing that, of course, in the software development world, just through the success of open source technologies uh, and the way that things like Postgres and MySQL have effectively pushed out the Oracle DBs um, of the world, at least in terms of deployment footprint and uh, and, and traction and mindshare. Um, and we're excited that we are starting to see that the data the space is ready for the same thing to happen, with Montano being a leading force for the software developmentization of uh, of the world of data.
1: Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it.
0: The One that comes to mind now is a mistake more of myself than of the team or the company. And I, I relate it back to the fact that you know i worked at get for years i went from a 10 person team to being about 1400 people when i joined the meltano team then i was on the six person team for a while and then i was by myself for a whole year for all of 2020 um, i was meltano's engineer and meltano's product manager and the community advocate and uh, you know the product manager and the ceo and the founder and everything you could be um, doing everything by myself on the product so i also very much got used to not having to write many things down because if it was in my head, then the product manager knew, and the engineer knew, and the marketing person knew because it was all me. So when we started hiring people again, um, I realized that just sharing the vision with the team um, and you know taking putting in the time to write a nice deck and explain how I would see the product progressing and the strategy would need to take to get there, just doing that once and then kind of taking a few months and focusing on other things and then coming back to the team and assuming we were all still on the first page, very much doesn't work that way if you don't actually all occupy one brain um, as I did during 2020. So I realized that a lot of the things that to me felt like natural or obvious evolutions of the vision or implications of what we had originally discussed rather than explicit changes or or, or explicit um, kind of things that would need to be discussed again resulted in everyone on the team, their kind of conception of the vision having slowly evolved in slightly different directions, leading to a point where we were all aligned on the high level vision, but maybe not so much on what is the immediate next step to take to get there? And how do I you know, evaluate the relative priority of all these possible things I could be doing today? And I was able to sort of myself trace that back to the importance of, constant communication and, and really over communication and repeating yourself time and time again and making sure that there's effectively nothing that lives in my head and my head alone. Um, and a year of being used to that working just fine, um, needed a little bit of time on my side to get out of that mindset and realize that it's very different when suddenly, um, yeah, you're, you're like a, a captain steering a ship and, and you're not actually manning the oars anymore and you're not actually the one anymore. Who's on the lookout. Um, to see whether we're going to you know whether we're heading for a tropical island or a titanic sized um ice cliff or not for a cliff but you know what i mean so that's that's a mistake um and we've solved it by communicating a lot more making sure we have sort of regular alignment on um, the vision as it's evolving and also just realization on my part that if i feel like i'm repeating myself uh, that's a good thing Um, And this natural urge you have to not just kind of, you know, say the same thing again and again and again and again, which I feel bad when I do it, even when I do it on a podcast, even when I know it's important that you kind of repeat some of the same beats in order to get people to take them home with them. That's something I had to learn over the last six months for sure, that the same goes within a new company.
1: Well, for Meltano, what does the future look like for the product and for your team?
0: Our vision is for Maltano as the open source data ops operating system and and the ideal foundation of of every team's data stack. The first thing you install and then you add in all the other components and then in the end you have a data platform that is held together by Maltano even if the specific capabilities are provided by uh, the various components of your choice that you've brought in. So today the product is really good at all of this um, kind of being an operating system, bringing different components together, specifically for Singer, Um, to some extent dbt and then also airflow this this workflow orchestration tool that provides the um, scheduled pipelines functionality in in Meltano when you're thinking about it as an EL product so we have a lot more product evolution to do over the first half of this year or the next three to six months or so to really change Meltano um, in terms of the product and also the perception that the world has from just an open source EL solution that happens to allow you to version control your pipelines to the framework that you want to bring together your entire data platform and that you want to stay with your data team for years to come. So that means that we have to add support for different types of uh, data tools. And then also those data tools themselves uh, built in such a way that the abstractions are going to be reusable um, for new new data tools that the community wants to ask support for, or even for data tools that don't exist yet, that will be built in the years to come uh, and allow them to come together in a framework that makes them better than the sum of their parts. So on the product side, um, we're still a couple steps away from actually being the data ops operating system that I've described during this chat. Um, and in terms of the team that requires us to bring on more software engineers Um, and then the other thing that we will have to do during the second half of the year or so is to start building a managed hosting platform a platform as a service or software as a service for Meltano to allow teams that have used Meltano to programmatically define their ideal data platform and all the different components and the ways they come together Um, and then also to be able to deploy it easily which right now requires teams to be comfortable deploying open source tooling onto Kubernetes or using Terraform to deploy it onto their own cloud infrastructure. But there's a lot of people out there who are comfortable with command line interfaces and Git repos, but not so much managing Kubernetes uh, infrastructure. So with our managed hosting solution, um, we want to make that super easy as well so that you can set up your data platform in a matter of minutes locally with the CLI and then push the Git repo up to our uh, platform where we will take care of Getting all of this up and running, making sure it scales with you know the amount of pipelines you add or the amount of users you have on your team, um, and from a you know, startup perspective, that is also how we will start the commercialization of the open source Meltano project. Um, everything I've described up until now is an open source project, it's free to be downloaded, the code is out there, it's MIT license, you can do whatever, it whatever you want. But of course, we think that there is a successful company that can be built around this technology. And um, the primary way in which we will monetize it is then by making the hosting story um, easy as can be if you uh, allow us to take uh, care of that for you, where the managed hosting solution will also have certain amount of enterprise functionality like role-based access control, single sign-on, and audit logs um, for all of those organizations that um, need some of that functionality to be in place in order for this to actually be deployed into production and and become an, an asset that the organization relies on. So those are sort of the priorities for the rest of the year in terms of both the product. And then that has a massive impact on the team as well. The engineering team we have today has been focused mostly on uh, building this really great open source kind of architecture, infrastructure tooling that runs on an arbitrary machine, whether that's your local machine or a continuous integration a testing box, or even your own uh, production environment. But then next up, we're going to need to bring in people who can build great managed hosting for um, arbitrary open source components that that we allow people to run on top of Meltano uh, and for managed hosting both within our cloud infrastructure, as well as the infrastructure that is brought in by the user in case we have customers that don't want any of their data to ever leave their, you know, privileged namespace within AWS or GCP or what have you. Um, So those are different challenges. And at the same time, we have a marketing team to build out, to prepare for the go-to-market motion once we are ready to start selling this managed hosting platform, which we expect to be uh, early next year. We we hope to have beta private um, well a private beta for managed hosting by the end of the year. But then by next year we will need to have built out a little bit of a sales organization as well to use that bottoms up enthusiasm that we're seeing in the open source community uh, to effectively onboard um, these people onto our managed hosting platform. So we have a luxury there where we don't need to really go out there and and, and find users because the users will find us directly and love. Tano, um, want a place for it in their data stack. But then, of course, we will still need to make it so that they can forget about the whole challenge of deploying it and maintaining that infrastructure uh, by by getting onto our platform. Well,
1: let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? You name a person you look up to and why.
0: It's funny that in some sense, this this podcast interview is becoming just as much a pitch for GitLab as it is uh, Meltano, But um, GitLab CEO Sid C- by far. When I joined six years ago or seven years ago now, GitLab in 2015, I was just coming out of college. I had a couple of options lined up, but uh, GitLab sounded cool, but there also wasn't anything necessarily obvious that made it stand out. Um, at least not in a way that i was able to evaluate at that time but over the years it's become clear in the many ways in which sid and the GitLab culture and the whole organization that that we've built together um I, I do also consider myself part of that of course having been there from the early days um a lot of things we've done have been really special um transparency the way that every single thing GitLab does is documented in the open. The entire company, Handbook, uh, you can just find it on on handbook.gitlab.com or about.gitlab.com slash Handbook, I think it is. Um, And learn how a 2,000-person public company now since since October functions. Um, And there's very much a public first, private only, in, in case of exception, rule there which is very much the inverse of how many other companies organize this and this goes hand in hand with this community-based approach to building a product where the entire GitLab community which counts thousands of contributors at this point and and millions of users is seen as an extension of the team Um, they don't they happen to not be paid to work on it full-time, but they are still just as invested in the uh, evolution of Meltano or rather GitLab as a product and um, also the way that the organization scales in a way that doesn't diminish the role of the community over time. And those are things that we have adopted in Naltano as well, where we think it's extremely important that our community feels like they are part of this journey we're on. And the worst thing we can do at any point is to um, make our community feel like they are just our users or just our you know money flow. Um, no, they are they're fundamental to fundamental to solving this this challenge we've set for ourselves. Uh, and ultimately, it's all about empowering them. Um, and then finally, uh, the other thing that GitLab has done really revolutionary besides the transparency and the approach to uh, engagement with the open source community it's just in remote work. Um, I mentioned this earlier, but GitLab was, is today, uh, although this step might be a few months outdated, but at some point it was the largest all remote organization in the world. And when GitLab started doing this in 2015, it was kind of natural because the entire open source community was already spread out over all kinds of companies. And when GitLab slowly started hiring um, some of these people, it made sense that it wouldn't require any of them to move to a particular office or to move away from this text-based, Zoom call-based way of working towards, um, you synchronous meetings and and face-to-face contact, Uh, but what that meant is that from day one GitLab never cared where you work from as long as you get your work done. And then of course the pandemic hit two years ago and suddenly every single company in the world had to figure out a way to make this work without requiring people to come together into the office. And a combination of the radical transparency where every aspect of how GitLab worked um, had been documented in the open. Plus the fact that it had done something really, really well that suddenly the entire world was scrambling to figure out meant that GitLab's um, handbook and guide to remote work became probably the most um, popular asset on the GitLab website ever in those first weeks and months of the pandemic, because it was literally a playbook for how to do remote work at scale, across time zones, um, across, you know, teams, across everything else. Um, And this is all kind of flows from Sid who wasn't afraid to just try and do things differently and see how it would play out. And it turns out that a number of these things worked out extremely well and it made GitLab an example in many ways for um, companies around the world, open source products that trying to monetize uh, and just generally for people who think that there's got to be a better way to do work. Um, and, and those are definitely things that I feel extremely blessed having lived through and the impact that it's had on my life and you know, my ability to now live in Mexico City and work from Milan and um, to be able to do the same thing for my team. Um, and we hope to be a similar example for uh, companies in the future as, as GitLab and SID have been to us.
1: We talked about a mistake earlier, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently or where would you consider taking a different approach?
0: I think if we go back all the way to the beginning and and we look at that um, year and a half or so of time that the Meltano project was around in GitLab and was trying to kind of find its footing, but not necessarily um, accomplishing that. One of the things that I took really seriously from that day that I was tasked with turning Meltano around and that has helped us so much all the way through since then, it's just the importance of meeting often and frequently and closely with those users and those couple of early enthusiasts that you find. For a while, the Maltano team was chasing their own conviction of what the future looked like, maybe more than what they were hearing from the users. And that meant that a lot of time was spent building in a direction that didn't resonate as much with the user base as we thought it would, just because we were coming at it with our own biases and and perspectives and sort of software development way of looking at the world. Um, And from That point on i think meltano could have gone quicker if that realization that an end-to-end platform that's going to replace everything else is going to be a really tough sell and if meltano had started with a more narrow focus of okay let's bring devops to el to start and then once people get the hang of that and and start seeing how valuable this is then we will step by step introduce them to devops for the rest of their data life cycle which is essentially the strategy and the playbook we're following now, um, that could have saved a lot of time in retrospect. So of course there's value in having an opinionated vision and knowing exactly what the world needs and just working on it uh, until you have an MVP where people will be able to kind of get what you had in mind and, and then tell you uh, how it lines up with their needs. But definitely don't, just lock yourself up into a room for longer than a few weeks or months um, because ultimately nothing is going to be as valuable as that real world feedback. And that's why progress over perfection in Maltano and also iteration in GitLab are these fundamental values. It's all about small steps rapid feedback, um, quickly incorporating it, and then taking a better informed second step than you could ever have if you tried to take steps one, two, three, four, and five without ever hearing how uh, what people thought of your step one.
1: Well, last question, Dawa, and, and I think you may have answered it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you space to, if you want to change it. So last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. And they can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit?
0: Well, one piece of advice you know, relate to what I was saying a second ago, get that feedback early and often and uh, and really treat your users as an extension of your team, more so than just an external party you have to cater to. But if you are literally sitting next to on a plane to me and you're excited to share your story to some other random plane um, occupants, then you're probably already having that right. I'll share it with everyone and I'll hear from everyone mindset. Um, the other takeaway is just to Be willing to try stuff, and then if it doesn't work, just change it. And the smaller the steps you take, the less you'll feel that that, that um, sunk cost fallacy where you're like wow well i've invested so much already in this idea that even if the signs are there that it might not have been the right move i'm gonna just commit to it anyway because at this point it feels like i would be losing something wasting something if i uh, if i did not um, you can minimize that feeling also by taking really short steps and getting really frequent feedback so i keep kind of circling back to that and then i would say to everyone in the audience that is building tools for technical people um, the best tools are built in close collaboration with their users. And if you have users who can actually build their own tool or if you can motivate a community of users to come together and build tools together, then uh, that tool is always going to be better than a tool built by a specific product team that had to get the community feedback through, you know, three layers of of feedback and then the account managers and then the product roadmap and then finally the engineer see it land in the ticket. There's no better way to know what your customer needs than inviting them into your issue tracker and into your code base and figuring it out with them. So if you're building developer tools, um, see if it makes sense for you to build your tools open source and then come up with some kind of commercial open source business model around it. Uh, The examples that this can be done are many, uh, GitLab being prime among them, but not uh, at all the only one. Um, And if you are not the company that's going to build your developer tool in the open source, then someone else is going to. And the uh, longer-term arc shows that open source tech outlasts proprietary tech, especially if you have a motivated user base who could do better than your own team. So don't miss out on that um, opportunity uh, and open source is the future.
1: Well, Dalla, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Meltano.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast to uh, to follow the format and uh, give people a bit of an insight in how Meltana came to be and all the exciting stuff we have ahead in the year to come. Um, and if anyone who's been listening feels similar about data teams and and the opportunity to benefit from more software development best practices, or if you're coming from the software development world and um, you've always been frustrated by the sort of backwards nature of a lot of these data tools you're first to work with, come join us on Slack. Uh, slack is uh, where to go for that. And see if there's an opening on our team um, if you'd like to be a full-time part of making this mission and and vision a reality Uh, as I said we're hiring engineers we're hiring marketing people and uh, sometime later this year we're going to have to start building out our sales team but if this mission motivates with you and you think that you could be valuable to us as we make all of this a reality then don't hesitate to reach out and I'd love to see if there's a place for you in New York